of the Channel Futures podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I'm the editorial director of Channel Futures. Joining me, as always, is our senior news editor, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. James Anderson. James, how the heck are you? And happy holidays to you. Craig, happy holidays to you. Um, I'm doing well. I've been drinking a lot of coffee, um, mm. getting the specific time zone. Um, we're, we're cranking up the, the AC so that it's warmer. And uh, we're 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 really buckling down, both of us. We're 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 really grinding it out. Uh, this the end of this December. Uh, we're we're working hard over here. We certainly are. Um, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. I have to admit, I feel a little bad about that. But we're gonna crank it up. We're gonna we're gonna start doing more, and, and we're gonna get our loyal casties on board with this. in, in case they've been looking for us, I know that's probably been top of mind for them. But. Uh, we're going to be doing more of these, and, and I'm looking forward uh, to that. Uh, so you mentioned something about the turning up the AC to make it warmer. <laughs> How does that work? Oh, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, a little bit of a conflation of terms there, but uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's cold in Seattle. I mean, I guess it's cold everywhere, but, uh, and I'm living in a basement right now, so oh, it's, yeah. you know, heat, heat does not, heat rises, right? Um, so we were. You, you're was, getting used to you're getting used to some new surroundings up there in the P, the P and W, and I'm excited to talk more about that uh, sort of as the as the podcast goes along. Also excited to have a little uh, personal deep dive oh. uh, that we have not uh, obviously done. We'll do that a little bit later as well. Sound good? Yeah, those are always really good, Craig. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. So I want to talk about this big announcement. It's a bit at the end of this podcast uh and and we owe the audience something big don't you think since it's been a while we do it's it's time for us to to make up for our our tardiness yes we've been very tardy however one thing that does stay the same is a song from 2016 because this is episode 116 of the podcast so we're gonna we're gonna keep that going yeah, I think that's good, Craig. We always talked about that we were going to slow this down to once a year so that right. uh, the the year in which the song was released would match up with the number of podcasts. And I think we're we're well on track there. <laughs> we really are. We really are. All right. So, James, I think it would be a good call if we used uh, this final podcast of the year, the, the holiday podcast, if you will, to sort of do a, a little bit of a wrap of Channel Futures and Channel Partners 2022 and look ahead to 2023 as well. How do you feel? Oh, that could be that could be a lot of fun. You want me to talk about events first? Uh, yeah. Why don't you uh, dig into that a little bit? It was, quite, it was quite the year for our events and I'd love to hear a recap. Yeah. We, I, let me just tell you this, Craig and audience. We had a good year with events. Uh, our spring event, that was a record. Um, 
7,400 total attendees. Um, we'd sort of been steadily rising over the years into the 6,000s. Um, but, but last spring beat our old record by approximately 20%. New record for sponsors and exhibitors that partners could strike up conversations with in the expo hall. So, and, and that's a big thank you to, to this industry really. And it's a shout out to the resilience of this industry and, and kind of the excitement people in, in the channel feel and 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 really the the camaraderie that people have for one another that they are just so eager uh, to see one another and and so we're very appreciative of that absolutely so that was the big show james uh but you might recall we followed that up with our channel partners europe event in london that had been almost three years between live events for that one so it was our first one since 2019 and and this was really like a startup event for us because of that uh, we drew a great crowd with some terrific vendors uh, to London. That, of course, was followed up by this fall's brand new Channel Partners Leadership Summit, which uh, was like 20 summits in one. Okay, I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, it featured a Women's Leadership Summit as well as our MSP Summit, which, of course, included our traditional MSP 501 Gala. We drew a bigger than expected crowd for this one as well especially considering that Leadership Summit was a first-of-its-kind of event for the entire channel. I know you enjoyed that one, uh, my friend. I loved it, Craig. It was kind of like there was something there for everyone, not only in terms of like the type of company or partner that you were, but like where you were in your organization, whether you were a leader or, or someone that was um, maybe lower down the org chart but looking to grow. Uh, Craig, I think this event is really going to grow by leaps and bounds next year. You know it, my friend. And mark your 2023 calendars now. CP Expo is back and bigger than ever. May 1st through 4th at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Channel Partners Europe is back in London June 13th through 14th. And our leadership summit is October 30th through November 2nd in Miami. Miami. We haven't had a show there in many a year. I think it goes back to the 2000 aughts. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, that's going to be one big networking party, James. We're going to have to keep an eye on you, uh, definitely, uh, with some great keynotes and uh, educational content, of course. Oh, yeah. Careful, Craig. When you get me out there with my, my Florida channel peeps, that's a recipe for you, you to turn the, turn the phone recording on, and, and it's, it's going to be memorable. <laughs> but, uh, and, Craig, I, with that in mind, in, in terms of a party, you know, I have to say, 2022 was a huge party for the Channel Futures website. Oh, that is right, my homie. Thanks to our loyal casties and our readers, Channel Futures saw a 30% jump in traffic to the website just this year. James, the Channel community is super engaged, and you, for one, I gotta say, have been doing a great job getting the voice of the partner so important for our site. So what would you say contributed to that amazing growth, Craig? And thank you. Are you asking me? I mean, I know the answer. I'm I'm the editor of the site. Come on now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say this. I know the evolution of the MSP 501 Awards program has been huge. We see that a lot in our um, our traffic numbers. Um, in addition to the list of winners, we broke those down into categories by region uh, as well as by technology. And so we told you who the top 
MSPs were in the areas of security, cloud, and different technological areas. And then another big one uh, was your Technology Advisor 101, James, the telco agent version of the MSP 501, if you will, only on a slightly smaller scale. Our CF peeps were really interested in checking that out. Yeah, that one was fun. And speaking of people, speaking of peeps, our brand new leaders lists where we identified the top channel execs in security, cloud, TSDs, MSP vendors, and many, many more that came out this year. Yeah, those were this fall, and uh, people were very interested in seeing those, as was I. Uh, you and the team did a fantastic job of uh, coming up with those lists, picking some really worthy, uh, really worthy folks. Uh, there was so much more, too, but uh, so little time to talk about them here. We will provide links to some of this content we've discussed on the landing page of this podcast. And if you're interested in what's cooking for 2023, we're going to talk a little bit about that in our first podcast of the new year. Meantime, James, uh, why don't you get this fantastic interview uh, set up that you corralled for us? Yeah, yeah, I did do some corralling here. So I know we talk a lot about how we've been the voice of the partner this year, and we're getting more and more of those MSP and agent uh, and reseller sources in our articles. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's uh, you're trying to mix up your diet, you know, and so we've also developed some stronger and stronger relationships um, with the vendor community and, and the channel leaders at those distributors and, and suppliers. And and I feel like we're starting to get a lot more really good sources in from that side where we're not just getting um, vendors coming in and trying to pitch to us, but we're getting vendors coming in and really trying to be part of the conversation in a helpful way for the industry. And, and Jim Glacken, who uh, joined Nitel this year to lead its channel, is one of those people who I think has contributed to that conversation in a really healthy way. Um, so I've had some great conversations with Jim at some of the TSD events this year, and it felt like this would be really good to get Jim on the podcast and uh, kind of pick his brain about not uh, I mean a little bit of not, a, little bit, a little bit about Nitel, but also really about his advice for partners in the coming year as they're trying to be valuable to their customers during a recession. Sounds good, my friend. We're talking issues, not just a bunch of fluff on this podcast, despite uh, what popular opinion might be. This is a <laughs> fluff-free zone, Craig. It is. All right, let's get uh, right to this interview with Jim. It's a good one. All right, everybody. We're very grateful to be joined today by Jim Glacken. He is Nitel's Executive Vice President of Channel Sales. I got that right, Jim? You did. Well, Jim, uh, it's great to have you here. I've had some such wonderful interactions with you at, at some of the different events this year and was very eager to get some of those those juicy insights some of, at least some of those for our casties that that listen to this show so how are you doing today i'm doing great it's uh you know here in chicago it's sunny it's not warm but it's a uh, it's a nice day and uh, it's a good day to be in the channel not bad for this time of year right you'll take it for sure Absolutely. all right jim so uh you know we've known you for a long time from your days at CenturyLink and mazer g it was just earlier this year you joined a Nitel to lead its channel. I'm wondering, uh, very basically, what went into you joining the company and what's your vision for Nitel's uh, indirect efforts? Yeah, so Margie, our CEO, and I started talking uh, right around when Macergy and the Comcast transaction went down. Um, I've known Margie for a while. She's a big supporter of the channel. I, I would, you know, 
people refer to me as the channel chief. I'm not the chief here. Um, Margie is, she's every bit as much of a, a channel leader as she is, uh, you know, the leader of NITEL. And so she and I talked about, you know, what's going on at NITEL. NITEL, a lot of people have known over the years, you know, Rick and Ron, the founders of NITEL exited the business earlier uh, this year. We were picked up by Sinven, a private equity that, you know, looks for founder-based companies like NITEL, and they then invest and build and grow, you know, the company from there. So Margie's vision and the Sinven vision was to bring in channel leader to kind of take over the channel. We're only channel. We don't have a direct sales force, but they they wanted to bring in someone to take the channel to the next level. And, you know, just sitting down and talking with, you know, Margie and the leadership team about the vision for this company sold me on why I wanted to be here and, and uh, everything they're doing all the investments that are being made are all around taking this channel to the next level and really providing a, a truly differentiated experience for our partners and our customers. Yeah, it's fantastic. So Jim, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what some of those investments look like and maybe um, what some of the different partners you work with look like and, and maybe how sort of what the your, your base of partners look like and, and what some of the things that they're asking for are. Yeah, so, I mean, again, you know, Rick and Ron founded the company 20 years ago and they, they did a phenomenal job with it. They built, you know, quite a company. But as a founder-based company, they did everything, you know, no debt, you know, all on cash. And I think to a certain extent that limits your ability to invest, you know, make, uh, you know, significant investments to grow the business to the next level. And so with Sinven coming in, you know, they brought in Margie as the CEO, Mark Dickey as the CRO. Uh, they brought me in to run the channel. They, they never had a, a channel leader specific to running the channel before. Then we've also brought in a chief product officer to focus really on, you know, what what are the net logical next solutions to add to the portfolio that add value to our customers, add value to our partners to help them provide, you know, more complete solutions to their customers. And of course, you know, ultimately to help us grow revenues. But we've also brought in a leader to run customer success. Now, customer success always to me sounds like you know, just another way to say customer care or customer support, but, you know, it's truly an investment in being proactive with our customers, really anticipating, you know, what the customers are doing and how they see value in the services that we provide and then helping them fully realize that value. So we brought in someone that, you know, it's not their first rodeo. They started and launched customer success programs at uh, several different companies. And so, you know, this was a big investment for NITEL because to me, and I say this all the time, you know, as a partner, your single greatest, you know, asset as, as a company are your customer relationships and how your customers are treated, the experience they have with the vendors that you recommend kind of makes or breaks you. So a big thing about growing the channel here is growing out this customer success program and really truly delivering a differentiated customer experience uh, for our customers and, and for our partners. Then we also brought in a chief procurement officer, who's a great pickup uh, actually that we brought on, uh, Rob Gianquinto over from Lumen 
to assist in our kind of vendor procurement around uh, you know network services globally, right? So not only here domestically, the different uh, providers that we work with uh, to deliver services, but also with existing and new vendor relationships overseas, you know, in China, South America, you know, through the APAC, EMEA, Rob has a very strong uh, level of relationships with with not only the carriers that we've been dealing with, but also a large number of uh, incremental relationships. So it's really going to help us broaden out the, the, you know, the reach that we have globally. So these have been very big investments that uh, have been enabled through Simden and through, you know, Margie and the ELT's uh, vision for NITEL. Yeah, that sounds substantial. You know, I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on how the aggregation space is changing, um, kind of particularly in how it's it's perceived by partners. And ILEC, in passing to me, kind of talking to me, kind of referred to the NITELs of the world as as the cool new kids on the block. And I, I definitely have heard from a lot of partners that they they prefer you and your peers as sort of someone who can reduce a lot of the like operational complexity that is involved with bringing together all these different facilities-based providers. Could you talk about a little bit about that value proposition? Has that value proposition changed over time? Would you say you are the, the cool new kids on the block? You know, it's funny, I, you know, being that I my time at AT&T and at Lumen, you know, there was always this kind of attitude you'd have towards aggregators and and my time at Masergy, I mean let's I like let's agree everybody's an aggregator, right? Like all all the carriers are aggregating. They're not providing all the all the services. They are buying from each other and aggregating uh, to provide solutions. But the interesting thing about the aggregators is like they were cool, you know, uh, way ahead of their time, you know, 20 years ago when Rick and Ron founded the business, they saw the need where customers didn't want to work with 15 different carriers to pull together their solution, right? They didn't want to have all these different bills and all these different, you know, customer support people they had to call. They wanted to deal with one vendor. And that's really kind of how NITEL got started. Fast forward to today, the whole consumption model is around you know, I want to focus on running my business. I don't want to focus on running technology. And a big part of that is, of course, you know, having as few vendors as possible for your solution and then trusting that vendor to handle, you know, running the network. So it's all network as a service now. Customers don't want to own it. They don't want to run it. They don't want to fix it. They just want to use it. And so, you know, it's kind of evolved to this point to where hey that's that's where it's at as few vendors as possible and and kind of one back to pat you know on on running it all right jim so let's talk a little bit about uh, strategy we've heard you talk a lot about uh, wanting to see partners uh become more strategic really in the way that they talk to clients uh in other words uh, being less transactional and, and really doing more with the lines of business uh, to add actual business value can you elaborate on uh on that a little bit? In a lot of cases, there's two ends of the channel. There's the traditional, uh, at least the way I see it. Now, you guys may disagree with us, but at the two ends of the channel, you have the traditional telecom partner 
that focuses on speeds and feeds, right? And it's a it's a much more transactional sale around a lot of times, you know, saving money, right? And it's not really focused on business outcomes. It's not really sitting down with the customer and really looking at what they're trying to solve. On the other end of that, you have the systems integrators, the traditional VARs that at the opposite end are more SKU-based in their approach, right? They're also kind of uh, focused on selling hardware and, and their traditional services. And then in the middle, you have the telecom partners and you have these solution providers that have evolved, right? They really evolved their approach to working with the customers and, and again, focusing on business outcomes. They're not selling in the phone room, they're selling in the boardroom, right? They're looking at truly a platform approach to uh, providing services to the customer. There's incredible value in that. It takes, I think, a lot more patience in doing that. And I, I think that in the center there's growing, but I think the need or the expectation in, 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 the, in the marketplace from customers is going to grow faster than many of these partners are going to be able to evolve their approach, if that makes any sense. I, I think that you know any partner out there, they should be constantly looking at how they approach their customers and how they engage with their customers at you know a very strategic level in, in truly solving, again, focus on business outcomes. So, Jim, kind of adding on to that, um, you'd mentioned about the speeds and feeds and, and saving money. And um, and there have been some interesting conversations with partners in the last few months about are we a cost center or are we a profit center? And it seemed like a lot of partners that I was talking to earlier this year, these partners that are getting into cybersecurity, these partners that are getting um, into contact center, they've figured out ways to really position themselves as that strategic person who, who can tell someone, a customer, hey, I can help you digitally transform and make money. But then I, now I'm hearing other partners saying like, okay, well, we're not totally sure where customer budgets are going to be next year. We're, we're not sure if they're going to be looking to be purchasing or if they are going to want to just turn to us as, as, a, as a resource for saving money. And so how do you, I guess, if you're talking to partners, advising them, um, how do you think they should, they should balance that sort of cost center versus profit center conversation in, in what appears to be an economic uh, not so good time? I honestly think it's a profit center. I, I, I say this all the time, you know, you've got customers out there that have to evolve. They know they have to evolve, right? The environment that they have now um, and they had, you know, let's just say pre-COVID is not working for them today. And they know that it's not going to work for them tomorrow. And they need to move from where they are to where they need to be. And they have absolutely, in most cases, no idea how they're going to do it or who they're going to do it with. And that's the value of the partner, right? The partners can sit down with these customers and help them and guide them through that process, not only with the technologies that they need, but also the vendors that they're going to need to do it with. And in that process, I think the partners can truly save the customers money, not just on the, you know, the the pipes, right, or, or the connectivity or on the widgets, but really as a company, 
you know, helping to transform them quicker to help them be more successful and help them better grow their business, as well as, you know, quite honestly, as a, a channel guy, I believe that customers are better served when they're dealing through partners. They get better terms and conditions on their contracts. They do get better pricing. And I think they get better service because the partners hold the vendors accountable to deliver better, you know, better solutions and, and provide better service which ultimately helps the customer again perform better and 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 be more successful in whatever it is they do uh, you know as a, as a business i know the acquisition of hypercore networks was something we read about this year bringing on um, a, a whole team there so could you tell us a little bit about that yeah so the hypercore acquisition you know there's several reasons why we did that and why it made sense one we acquired some really good talent. There's some really smart people over at Hypercore that founded that business and grew that business. We've retained all of that talent. Uh, but also there were some things that Hypercore did really well uh, in the customer support and service delivery area. So we've added that to our kind of arsenal because again, we're, we're building this out to provide a truly differentiated customer experience. Uh, and ultimately a differentiated partner experience. So picking up you know, the assets that they had in place around that, I think was a, a really big investment. And then we've doubled the size of our channel by making that acquisition. So we brought on the Hypercore channel team and then we've added additional headcount since then and we'll continue to add headcount uh, throughout this year and into next year. Good stuff, Jim. Thanks so much for your insight today. Always great to catching up with you. And I can't believe it's taken us 116 uh, podcasts to get you on here. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Uh, happy to be on. Thank you. Craig, that was a uh, fun, a uh, uh, nice educational conversation as always. Not too much fluff, right? Right, right. I agree totally. Jim's a good guy. Of course, the channel uh, knows him from uh, many stops previously. Uh, before and I tell, so uh, somebody who's well known and uh, a good guy to have on the show. Absolutely. Now, Craig, you you mentioned something about a personal deep dive. Oh, did we did tease that up, uh, tee it up here in the last uh, segment of this show. You think we should do it? I think so. I mean, I don't know if I'm worthy to to use the the, the old fangled uh, uh, sound oh, yeah. effect. Maybe you, you should. You got to do it. You got to do it. You do a good job of it. What what do we got coming up? Craig, what we've got next is a personal deep dive. Oh, I like that. You did a nice job. You did a nice job. So you want to kick this off? What uh, what you've been up to? Yeah, Craig, I guess maybe I'll give a little anecdote that's really in terms of uh, just a little snippet, little slice of life. My family uh, does Secret Santa for its gift exchange process oh, yeah. nice. rather than get somebody for everyone um we use the elfster website it's not a paid promotion but you know and you get your person and you you you, you do a 50 dollars budget for them and and you, you buy them something good and and everyone's kind of trying to get intel on the other people of what they want without letting it know be known that you're the one giving the gift and people my family is just like asking me what i want they're and they're a little bit frustrated because I keep telling them that all I want is socks. Uh, I think it, it really is a, a symbol of like my final transition into adulthood that, um, huh. you know, I finally just want socks. Well, you know, 
you you've made that move to the northwest so i mean not that you weren't chilly in in chicago but uh you know you got some some real damp air there so it sucks i know i understand that and i think what it speaks to craig is like i think my standards have been raised like I have a lot of holy socks, and I think there was a <laughs> past where I would have just accepted that. And now, like, there's no more, there's no more margin for error with 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 uh, any sort of air pockets in my in my foot coverings. There's just no oh, room. I I am totally impressed by that. You were, you were exactly right. Socks is like the stereotype of the dad gift, right? And while while you may not be a dad at this point in your life. To be moving that direction, I, I, I'm proud of you. I, I'm proud of you. I like that. The socks, uh, nothing wrong with it. Thanks, Craig. And I, I like to think of it as I'm trying to be a better dad to my feet. You know, I got to really, I got to take care of what I have. And my feet are what I have. And, and it's what they say, right? Like, you're only as good as you treat your feet. Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So what about you, Craig? You got any uh, any musings for us? Amusings. Well, let's see. It's been a sort of an interesting fall for me. As you know, I've managed to uh, make my way into uh, several doctor's offices and hospitals this fall. So it hasn't been the most, uh, well, it's been kind of, I I don't know if exciting is the word, but uh, I had to get a little bit of my kidney removed this fall. So everything uh, turned out okay with that. But, uh, you know, it was kind of a a crazy time. And then I went in and got my wrist uh surgically surgically taken care of so that was uh, another one certainly not on the level of the kidney but uh that kept me busy for for some time so uh that's sort of my story it's not really uh like i say exciting might not be the word but uh different interesting something i didn't really want to deal with but uh all's good now so i can look back on it with reflection thanks and uh, hope for a 2023 that is void of all that kind of stuff. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, Craig, you were getting ready to do sort of work around the time of the the leadership summit. I know, and you didn't weren't necessarily like blaring this from the rooftops that that's why you weren't in Orlando. Um, but that was rough. It was rough missing you this year um, as you were back in in Scottsdale getting ready for that procedure and we were partying up in Orlando and it, you know, I just gotta say it really wasn't, really wasn't the same without you. And, and um, obviously you were, it, it had a special, uh, particularly, you know, deep impact on you this year, but uh, we really, we really felt it um, as, as your, your teammates and, and, and work family members, you know, we really missed you, man. And um, made us all the more grateful uh, to be with you in, in 2023. I appreciate that, buddy. You guys, uh, you guys supported me a lot, and I appreciate that uh, more than you'll ever know. But uh, yeah, and I, I missed, uh, I missed out on the big party. I, I always hate missing our shows. That was really the first one that we've had that I've missed since uh, 2012. You know, 10 years. It kind of broke my streak, and I was uh, disappointed about that. But life throws you a jab every once in a while. You gotta, you gotta come back with an uppercut, and that's what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's like what Chumbawamba said, right? You get knocked down, but you get up again and have a a, lo- a lager drink. Uh, yeah, any number of uh, a whiskey drink too. I think whiskey drink. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's pretty much the only thing I I know that Chumbawamba ever said. I mean, I'm sure they had other songs, but uh, kind of a one-hit wonder there. But uh, uh, an apropos reference. Yeah, and oh, did we wonder. <laughs>
All right, so James, since we've now done a recap of uh, what's been up with us and at Channel Futures and our events this year, uh, since it's the end of the year, uh, how about we talk a little bit about what's going on in the industry? You know, there were so many big stories. Uh, what were one or two that really stood out to you maybe as big or that you really enjoyed digging your teeth into as senior editor at Channel Futures? Yeah, you know, Craig, I would say it was so hard to pick these out. You know, I tried to focus on what happened specifically in the technology advisor slash agent channel. And I think really the there wasn't one big story. There was so many stories. And it, that was M&A. And that was M&A yeah. that was both on the um, customer-facing agent side. Um, so many different companies. Um, but also two of the largest TSDs uh, bought two other very large TSDs this year. So Avant bought Planet One, Tolaris bought TCG, and those were big moves. And so you really got the sense this year that there were really a handful of truly national TSDs. A lot of these companies, formerly known as master agents, have, have been calling themselves national providers. Um, but that understanding of them as national TSDs really got solidified in 2022. And on the other side, you had so much going on in in the agent world, in the, in the customer-facing partner world. You know, Upstack was really the story of 2021 um, with their Berkshire investment, and they they bought you know upwards of 30 agencies. Um, but you had a lot of other companies that emerged this year, um, many of them um, private equity backed. Uh, Blue Wave is, is probably the bigger one, um, but there were other maybe lesser, pub less publicized um, agencies that were doing stuff um, maybe under the radar. Amplix, we wrote about this a, a, a couple, a, a few weeks ago, um, uh, three New England based agencies coming together and saying, all right, we're going to find a, a PE investor and we're going to scale together and we're going to make sure that, that we are able to do more and more for our customers. So that was going on. So I guess that's the big M&A story. We had a I really, like that. yeah. And I, I guess, let's see. Oh, there's so much there, Craig. And then um, my favorite story within that was Upstack announcing a direct partnership with Lumen. That was uh, probably the juiciest story of the year, probably the most controversial story of the year. Oh, yeah. You know, there are certain times where partners and vendors don't really love going on the record to, like, gripe about things. But you'll often hear a lot of chatter off the record. And that was one of the few times where, you know, you do get a lot of off the record griping, but a lot more people willing to go on the record and, and comment about where they seeing the space as, as this massive super agency um, goes direct with perhaps the largest, you know, by volume supplier in the channel in a way that kind of impacts their, their traditional TSD partners that, that intermediated, intermediated their relationships. So that was fascinating and, and fun stuff to cover. What about you, Craig? What, what, what stuff did you see this year? You know, for me, it was, again, along that same line of, of M&A that you're talking about. 
uh, a little more on the traditional IT MSP side of the house. I mean, simply from its sheer dollar value, I mean, that $61 billion deal between Broadcom and VMware that's pending, looks like it's going to take a few more months before that one gets settled if it gets approved, because right now it's in the hands of the European Union, uh, from what I understand. But that one is is just massive, and it's going to have some trickle-down impact on the channel. But probably the M&A that I found most interesting, in addition to the ones you talked about this year, was uh, Kaseya Data, right? I mean, this is one that was very similar. There was that uh, undercurrent of concern, uh, let's just put it that way, from the MSP community. We had a lot of MSPs reach out and say, hey, this is going to change data for the worse. Uh, but I think there was some quashing of those concerns as the year went along. I think Caseo and, and CEO Fred Vicola were pretty good about uh, getting out in front of this a little bit. We haven't seen maybe as many major changes to the Datto brand, at least so far, uh, as some of the MSPs. Uh, were concerned about. We did have that story uh, that came out. However, uh, the old CEO and founder, Austin McCord, uh, expressing some displeasure about the deal on LinkedIn, I believe it was. And then we had uh, Kaseya fire back and say he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was pretty interesting. And that that certainly got a lot of people talking as well. So M&A in the IT space, that was a pretty interesting one, James. I, th I think the other thing that was interesting and not not particularly good news uh, was the turning of the economy and all the layoffs that we have seen in both sides of the channel uh, this fall, which has been disheartening, but uh, not entirely surprising as uh, there's been a lot of talk of economic uncertainty and a possible recession coming in 2023. The, the disappointing thing I would say is that a lot of these companies are just making these choices, anticipating that things could be bad. And, you know, who knows? They, they may not be at all. So they use this as an opportunity to do some quote unquote restructuring. I, I just hope that a lot of these folks on the channel who've lost their positions will land on their feet uh, sooner than later. So those are those are pretty much the two things that I was most interested in in seeing uh, this year. Yeah, those are those are huge, Craig. I will say like with the layoffs, it's been encouraging to be on LinkedIn and, and see how so many people in the channel, particularly the agent channel, are banding together to help out these folks that have been laid off, particularly at the, the UCAS providers. Mm -hmm. um, see a lot of um, not just other vendors, but but partners, some of these some of these private private equity backed partners that have that are growing, stepping in to say, hey, like we want talent. There's a lot of talent out there that got affected by these cuts, and so I, I see the community really emerging to make sure that everybody's got a place. I, I hope that you know people say it's a rising tide. I hope the tide keeps rising. I guess it's fingers crossed. But um, yeah. yeah, and and those those acquisition stories you mentioned, those are. Yeah, those are those were sort of the gifts that keeps on giving in terms of news. So much controversy, so much to watch, and and interesting to see how the channel is such a plays such a big role in these very like publicly visible companies. Absolutely, and what you mentioned about LinkedIn and so forth, the channel's uh, one big family. So it is great to great to see that. I agree. Okay, uh, James, I, I want to remind everyone that we do have that big announcement coming up in the final segment of this episode. But once again, I'm gonna to toss it over to you 
to set up interview number two. You were kind enough to set up both of these interviews for us in this year-end podcast. So uh, hit me with it. Uh, who are we talking to next? So a lot of people in the agent uh, technology advisor space know about OPEX, and I'm not talking about the business consumption model. Um, I'm talking about <laughs> OPEX technology. And Craig, if you've uh, if you've been to an Avant um, conference and you see their awards ceremonies, um, OPEX is always cleaning up. They're they're one of really the bigger um, agencies. I don't know if they call themselves an agency anymore. Uh, they'll get into this in this conversation, but one of the larger sort of homegrown, organically grown partners in this space. And I know they've provided a lot of mentorship to other partners, other other partner owners, and um, really are sort of, uh, you get this sort of salt of the earth vibe when you're talking to other people about OPEX. Um, people love to sort of name drop OPEX. And so it felt, felt apropos to get OPEX on this call and, and, and see what they're seeing um, as one of the larger and more successful partner firms out there. Let's do it. Okay, everybody, we're very excited to welcome to the show today, Auburn Holbrook. Auburn is the president at a company you may have heard of, OPEX Technologies. They are one of the more revered technology advisory firms, agencies, partners in the space, kind of a uh, a legend among partners, and and we thought it'd be fun to have them on the show today. Auburn, uh, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the kind words. Auburn, James never refers to me as a legend. I mean, <laughs> and we've been doing this podcast for a long time now. What's up with that? <laughs> Craig, I feel like I, I'm affirming you all the time, my man. Is it unspoken? Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, so, so Auburn, let's uh, start off, you know, pretty simply. We want to know a little bit about OPEX, uh, the company's background, certainly a name, as James mentioned, that many people on the channel have heard about. So give us some of the history. How'd the, how'd the company come to be? Yeah, so the, the company was founded by our current CEO and founder, Courtney Humphrey. Courtney had a successful career in the network services space and decided to become, a, you know, the traditional telecom brokerage company. And he started it in 2004. It was uh, a company known by at the time as Digital Services. And as Courtney grew uh, around 2012, 2013, he felt like he really needed to evolve. And the, the, the telecommunications game was only going to last for so long. And, and cloud computing was getting big and he really wanted to go upstream. Myself and our COO, Rich Nowak, were working in the managed hosting space and we were looking to branch out and start our own thing. So Courtney uh, convinced us to come on board uh, around 2015 uh, and Rich went first. I came on board about eight to 10 months later uh, and OPEX was born. So we rebranded the company from Digital Services to, to OPEX Technologies with a focus of really expanding beyond the network space and becoming more of a, a holistic, a trusted advisor, getting more into the data center space, more into cloud computing. And that's where Rich and I uh, had an extensive background. So we, we joined forces with Courtney. OPEX was born. Um, and since then, uh, we've, we've grown substantially. We're now up to about 26 employees. Uh, so I'd say from a, an employee count, we're considered one of, you know, a larger firm. 
and and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what's behind that name OpEx. I mean, you talked about branching out uh, more into cloud, and I know like the as a service model has become so in vogue, particularly in um, in the reseller world, where where companies are really touting that they are as a service when really companies like you have have been there for such a longer time and I, I guess I'd love to hear your your philosophy on on sort of the value of this opex as a service monthly recurring model yeah from from our standpoint it starts with the people we've invested heavily in and really hiring tenured professionals who come from various aspects of the service provider world we have our own engineering staff internally we have our own data analytics team. We have our own pricing analysts. We have a team of seven project managers full-time on staff. So for us, we really wanted to build a team that could cover all facets of the industry that we support, from unified communications to security to the data center and hosting space, and of course, the network and software-defined networking space as well. So we've really staffed heavily to bring on a lot of individuals that can, you know, ultimately we want to be a one-stop shop for our clients. Um, whether they have a network need, a security need, cloud computing, we really want to be that one-stop shop for everything. And we built the back end and the and the foundation of our company, which is our people, to be able to uh, deliver uh, and support those services. All right, so this one's really interesting, Auburn. Uh, James is telling me about uh, in some conversations he's had with you guys and others in the industry that you've been described as a as a market research firm. So I'd really love to hear more about how that contrasts with, you know, the legacy notion of being a telecom broker. Yeah, so you know, you look at the typical telecom broker from you know 10, 15 years ago, and they were essentially just going out and gathering quotes and throwing them over to the client. Client makes a decision and moves forward. When you get into more complex opportunities, and for us, we've really tried to move up market into the enterprise space. So you're work, working on much more complex solutions. And with that, you've got to have a lot of data to support your efforts. So about two, two and a half years ago, we made the decision to create this data analytics team. And without getting into too much detail, we hired a data scientist. We invested in Tableau, and we created a lot of tools internally that helps capture our historical information on the various engagements that we're working with our clients on. And we use that information um, as reference points, and we use it in various presentation tools to help our clients make decisions. Now, we don't do everything on our own. We, uh, we have a very strong uh, partnership, and we wouldn't be where we are without our relationship with Avant Communications. And we leverage them in a lot of their tools as well. But we've created some of our internal tools to support our processes uh, that we leverage to help our clients make those decisions. So, you know, for us, we felt that that investment in our data analytics team, having our own pricing and research folks, having our own engineering resources was key to our success. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating to me, Auburn. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. I'm curious as as you're bringing in this information to customers and, and essentially educating clients about technology and about these the breadth of this line card of vendors. I'm curious if you're finding any areas where customers have particularly large gaps in information. 
whether that's a lack of information about a particular type of technology, a particular type of vendor, particular aspect of the vendor experience. Are there any areas where there is extra sort of misinformation that that uh, agents would do well to sort of fill in the gaps of knowledge for customers? Um, that's a very good question, and I could argue that you know there's information needing and needed in all facets of this because clients aren't making these decisions regularly. There is so much change. There's so much confusion out there. Um, clients are, you know, if, if you're looking to make a, a, a data center change or a cloud computing change, you're not making that decision every year. You're making it once every, or revisiting it maybe once every five to seven years. And a lot of things change. Um, I think security is a hot button. So many organizations have gotten burned or lack the security controls that they need to feel comfortable in today's you know, ever-changing environment. So I think security is one where organizations do lack a lot of information. I think organizations with constant acquisitions and, and globalization lack information in various parts of the world. So we're finding ourselves getting involved in various geographic areas where you know, US-based entities don't have a lot of insight. So we're getting leverage there. But I think the hot button right now where a lot of the information is needed is definitely in security space. But, uh, you know, going back to my original statement, I can argue that information is needed needed in all aspects because there is so much confusion. There is, you know, so much marketing information out there that is misleading uh, organizations. So we do see a tremendous value in, in, in our efforts to invest in that data analytics platform. Good stuff. Interesting, uh, Auburn. So, uh, what does the upcoming year look like for OpEx? Uh, we're almost there. It's hard to believe. Uh, you know, we see much of the vendor world sort of tightening its belt. Uh, how's OpEx positioning itself? It's funny. We get this a lot. I wouldn't say uh, we're in a bulletproof industry by any means, but I do think that the trusted advisor space uh, is a very resilient or in a, in a recession where recession resilient. Uh, because a lot of what we do is help customers save money. Either it's a it's a transformation project that is to create greater efficiencies, or it's a tra- it's a transformation pro- uh, project that's ultimately going to save money. And a lot of what we can do and what we are leaned on in tough times is to reduce costs and find new service providers, new technology avenues that'll help companies save money. But People are still investing heavily in the security space. I think security is the hot button for everybody now. It's kind of the unified communications play from from four or five years ago. Everybody is having discussions around security today, and every organization is investing heavily into security. Yeah, it's some really important stuff there, Auburn. Just to kind of close, you know, I know, I know, there's so many uh, of your peers in the space. They they do look up to OpEx and and. And a lot of that is in the way that you've made such a splash in the enterprise space. Um, and I'm curious, not not to reveal all your secret sauce, but um, is there any advice you'd have for your peers as they are looking to move up market? Yeah, I don't know if there's a silver bullet to do it, but I think the realization that everybody needs to know is that these enterprises need help as much, if not more, than the smaller folks. And I think... You know, for us, it was always this. We started at the smaller organizations. I remember years ago, we were with a, uh, a Fortune 500 company and we were really scratching our heads, sitting in their lobby, asking ourselves why we were in there. 
this organization is a very well-respected technology organization. They're a software company. They have some of the greatest minds in IT. But what we realized is that what we do, they don't do often, and they didn't have a lot of experience in there uh, or in that in that sector. So we were able to add a tremendous amount of value. That same company, flash forward five years later, today, they're our largest company, so our largest customer. Um, so I think people need to not be afraid to get out and have those conversations with the enterprise. There's a tremendous amount of change going in within the or- those organizations, and they definitely need trusted advisors now more than ever. Auburn, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a great to hear how OPEX has been evolving over the years and everything you guys are doing, a little bit of a state of the industry there at the end as well. So thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Nice talking to you. Well, that was fun talking to Auburn, Craig. Uh, fun getting their insights on maybe how they see the world a little bit differently and um, kind of how the industry is growing and and gaining mind share with uh, with customers. Enjoyed the conversation myself. Also enjoyed how you dropped one of my favorite buzzwords, mind share. Mind share. <laughs> so, so Craig, um, ever since you teased this big announcement uh, that we owe to our casties, I've been itching to find out what that is. Oh, okay. All right. You ready? Should we get a little drum roll going here? What do you think? So you and I, my friend, are you ready for this? Are you, I I don't even know if you're really ready for this because it's going to be big news for you as well. I mean, I already know what it is and I'm still not even ready for it. (laughs) I'm not sure I am either. (laughs) So we are going to, I was going to say we're going to enter the 21st century, but that's not quite right. We're going to maybe enter the 20 teens coming up in 2023 as we are going to take this podcast into a visual medium. Yes, people are going to get to look at us as we move our lips and talk in 2023. What do you think about that? As we move our lips and talk, I love the way to describe that. Um, I think it's going to be (laughs) fun. I'm going to have to probably work on my bedhead a little bit, Um, but I'm up to the task, Craig. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? I, I'm good. I was thinking I might shower a little more often as well. Not that it's smell-o-vision. We're not taking it quite that into the future yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be good. We're going to look good. We're going to feel good, and, and we're going to speak good. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. We're, we're going to have to get our guests uh, to go along with this idea of going on video as well, but uh, I think they will, knowing that just by showing up, they'll probably look better than the host. So there you go. I mean, Craig, I will say so many times we log into the call with our interviewee and they're like all set up, like they got a suit on, they've got all their <laughs> pictures on, on the wall behind them. They've got like all their smart looking books on their bookshelf that everyone yeah. can see. And then they, they're a little bit disappointed when we're like, all right, let's let's turn our, turn the video off and let's let's get some let's get some sound bites. They're like, oh, OK, so I think right. they'll be about this. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right. So uh, we close out with another song from 2016 appropriate because I sort of feel like we're doing a little bit of revolution radio here, don't you, James? I do. I feel like. We're, we're building that revolution slowly but surely every day, Craig. We're breaking ground. We're breaking ground. All right. If you'd like to check out the archives of Coffee with Craig and James, 
You can pretty much go anywhere that you get your podcast. Of course, we would love it if you'd join us on the news site channelfeatures.com. Happy holidays, everyone. We hope you have a fantastic 2023, and we will be seeing you very soon on video. May the cold winds of winter not be at your back, and may your feet be warm. Ooh, that was deep. Revolution,